Happy Monday. What's up? It is Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who of course also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Your Kubota All-Star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Four wins in a row, Drancer. They beat the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. 7-2-1. Seven, 7-2-1 two two. Seven, seven, two two in their one. last 10. You know, I think we underrate the psychology of the NHL sometimes and how long an 82 game season can be and how difficult it is for NHL players to bring it a hundred percent all season long. Did you hear the, it was the Marty St. Louis had explained, I think it was to Guy Boucher and Guy Boucher told the story uh, on um, TVA earlier. What? I did not hear it on TVA. No. <laughs> okay. Well, but the story was that, uh, you know, Guy Boucher, who's a famous coach for coming in and getting like short-term returns mm-hmm. on his players and then quickly burning his team out. Marty St. Louis approached him when he was a coach and explained to him that what he needed to help his players find was the productive 85%. Where like at 85%, we can win more often than we lose. We can get 50 points. And then in the playoffs, obviously, it's going to change. There are games where you're going to be, be able to bring 100. There are games where you're not. So I was listening to... um Dave Felger out of Boston this morning. I do this sometimes just sure. to just to get my blood boiling, you know, like just to just to tap in to that far angrier style of sports talk radio. <laughs> yes, that exists south of the border. Well, that exists specifically in Massachusetts. Yeah, and some <laughs> other markets, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just generally in New- in the U.S. anywhere anywhere within a hundred mile radius. Yeah. New of York, New Jersey, Philly, Boston, <laughs> Chicago. It's a different breed. It's, in those markets. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. The markets where I wouldn't register as negative. <laughs> so I was listening and they are losing it about the Boston Bruins. The Inc- Boston Bruins! Incredible. They are losing it because the Boston Bruins lost to the Detroit Red Wings 5-3 yesterday. Mm-hmm. They obviously lost, they lost to, to the, the Oilers. Oilers, but they also didn't play that well when beating the Detroit Red Wings 3-2. So everyone's like all season long, it's been like this, and now this is the Bruins team you're going to expect. We're going to see in the playoffs. And it's like, this is a historic team. This is a historic team. They're also 8-2 and two in their last 10. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's not even like, oh, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're but scuffling. They're, but they're 2-1 and one in their last three. Yeah. Or 1-2 and two in their last three. The Carolina Hurricanes, right, have lost two in a row now, 0-7. And, and there's, like, people around the industry being like, did they do enough at the deadline? The Carolina Hurricanes, 72% point percentage the last three years. This is an elite team. They've lost eight games in regulation all season. Meanwhile, once the chips are removed from the table and you're playing for funsies, farmer's bet time, there's a lot of teams that are streaking right now, right? Like, the Canucks have played well under Rick Tockett, and it's not just the results. But, you know, I looked it up. And, you know, following their win on Saturday, the club had the same record over Tockett's 19 games as the Arizona Coyotes had over their last 19 games. And then what? The Coyotes won la- last night? Did they win in overtime? I, I saw regulation. Yeah, I, I'd have to double check. 
I missed. I, they did. They came back and went one and over. They did. I'm pretty yep. sure. Um, the uh, so now the Coyotes are better by point percentage since the Canucks higher target than the Canucks are. The Anaheim Ducks similarly better by point percentage because they won their last game as well. They they beat the Flames. So no, they lost in overtime last night though. They okay, did. so yeah. so they'll they'll be slightly worse, but fundamentally the same record. The Canucks have done as well as the Coyotes and the Ducks. There are things to see from Vancouver's performance of late, things to see on Saturday that were genuinely impressive. Like, they they were full value for that 5-2 win. And Saturday's win felt a little bit different than some of the other ones we've seen because it checked two boxes that we haven't seen both checked at the same time, which, one, it's a decent team. Now, look, Ottawa's not going to be a playoff team, but they've been playing well. They're pushing. They have stakes. Maybe it's over after Saturday for them and then losing in Calgary as well. But that was a big game, an important game for them. So it was against a good team, and they had the lead for most of the game. Right, because right. so much of the underlying numbers, there's always been the question of, well, but they're always playing from behind. They had the lead and they held up. They didn't. It didn't turn. The ice didn't start to tilt really in Ottawa's direction again, like you might have expected no. in those circumstances. I, I don't think though that it was like if the Canucks had won that game five nothing, I would have said that didn't quite reflect the flow yeah, of play. But that's fair. Yeah, you know, I, I it felt to me like a, a true. T- like I honestly think the scoreline reflected the game. You know, even though the yeah four two with an empty netter, that sounds about right. You, trivia for you. Do you know the last time that the Canucks? Kept a clean sheet in a game. Oh, boy. It's a long, long, long time ago at this point. Bruce Boudreaux's first game as Canucks head coach. Wow. That's December of 2022. 2021. What did I say? 2022. Yeah, December of particularly given that the Senators looked for a moment like they were going to blow the Canucks off the ice sheet mm-hmm. for, for about the first five minutes when Brady Kachuk was throwing the body like crazy. Um, it felt like the Canucks were wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, and then they churned. You know what? And I like this, by the way. This is not a criticism. I like that a road team with more to play for showed up, started hot, and the Canucks just slowly and methodically churned the game in their direction, undeniably, to the point where, what, at one point they'd outshot them like 22 to 10. They were up. Yep. They were adding to the lead. Like, it was it was awesome. A, a really nice performance for the Canucks. That Debrinket turnover on the p- penalty kill, I, I talked to JT Miller postgame, and I was just like, are you starting to feel confident, like eyes wide open when you're getting a rush chance on the penalty kill? And he looks back at me, and he and he just said, I can't even believe the chances we're getting on the penalty kill right now. It's Dude, like the run on the PK is he, ridiculous. But but the way he's the way he was saying it, like his reaction to that goal was like, LOL, I can't believe we have this two on one, right? Like it's not even that they're like, we're gonna score and make it happen. And then I was like, Well, the, that goal you scored against the Leafs wasn't like a gimme. And he was like, Which one? They've all been tappins. And I'm like, You beat a goalie with a wrist shot. Like, come on, man. He's like, Oh right, yeah, yeah. The, the, I had lots of space. It was a nice play by uh Neil Zaman too, I think. It was to, Heads up. to just yeah, like I know exactly what I'm doing okay. with this, and I'm feeding it right back to JT Miller. Alex Debrinket, though. That giveaway, and then the way he played that two-on-one, oof. Oof. Tough. Tough, tough look for a Senators team that's in one of the most dangerous spots you can be in, where you're, like, selling futures to accelerate wh- where you're at in your build. Like, man, they better make the playoffs next year, given what they've paid to supplement that team. Anyway, I liked... A lot of what I saw, and I liked, I've liked a lot of what I've seen, but I still can't remove the fundamental qualifier, which is that 
a lot of teams are performing like this down the stretch, particularly those teams with no stakes, right? You got to do it next year. And until this team does it, like you, you don't just get to be a good team because your manager declares you a good team and starts trading futures to supplement the core. You don't just get to be a good team because you play well down the stretch. We have the same record as the Arizona Coyotes down the stretch. We're good now. Like, that's not how it works. You're good because you win games. Like, fundamentally, you have to have the results. It's been too long without the results for this team for us to believe this, right? Or at least to, to, to take these results without a grain of salt. Not that you shouldn't enjoy it. Not that you can't build a narrative of hope around what you're seeing. I think there are actual reasons to believe that this team is playing better. Like, the, the fact that their scoring chance clip, percentage-wise, 45-ish percent under Bruce Boudreaux, over 50 under Tockett. That's great. It's a big bump, but that bump also still leaves them like middle of the road. It's mm-hmm. not It's not like the Calgary Flames when they hired Daryl Sutter and all of a sudden it was like 58% of control of everything across the board. Canucks are still profiling like a fringe playoff team and getting results like the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. Like we do have to leave the burden of proof on a group that hasn't left the first month of the season with a realistic playoff shot since 2019 on them. Like, we do. We really fundamentally do. This this play, this level of play, has been impressive, taking nothing away from it. There are signs of sustainability defensively. It doesn't mean a lick if they don't do it again next season. And I think most people, given what we've seen over the last few seasons, there's a, I'm going to enjoy it now, but I'm also going to wait to see oh, what happens I don't in even, October mindset. See, I don't even know if that's the case. I don't even I think, think there is. I think it's only I think it's the only like the rump left hardcore following this team toward the end of another season that feels that way. I think if from a casual fans perspective, like well, oh, oh, oh the Canucks have won seven of their last ten. Wow. I didn't even know. But you know what? I will say for me, obviously it remains to be seen how much of this carries over to next season. But the the biggest takeaway I have, and I, I started talking about this a little bit on Friday as it relates to the defense, but the more I think about it over the weekend. My takeaway from what the Canucks have done under Rick Tockett is they should run it back. They should run this team back for next year. And I know that it previously earlier this season, right, I've been saying, hey, like, when's this major surgery going to come? They need to move these contracts. They need to move this money. I would prefer if they rebuilt and t- took it a more future-oriented uh, direction when they're building their team. But at this point, when you like think about how much stock – this management team put into the idea of a coaching change, right? And like the reputational price they paid to make the coaching change in the way that they chose to make it. Well, they're being vindicated right now. And again, we can debate how much of it is sustainable, how much of it is going to carry over. I agree that until they do it in games that really matter, there has to be a healthy dose of skepticism as well. But by the same token, all you can do is play these games that are on the schedule right now. And to a certain extent, the coaching change that management decided to do is being vindicated. So at this point, shouldn't you lean into what you obviously thought was really important? And you said, hey, with a different structure, with a different coaching style, we think there's more here than we're seeing. Well, you're getting that now. And from this point on, I look at it. Don't you want to see what this group of players, plus Philo Pronick, can do with a full Rick Tockett training camp? And I especially, I look at it this way. Maybe that turns into nothing. But if the two options are run it back, or twist yourself 
every which direction and leverage the future to try to clear cap space to improve this team, I would much rather see them just run it back, right? And maybe there's some there's some some deals fall in your lap. Like who knows? Maybe all of a sudden there's a Besser deal that makes sense. Maybe there's a Myers deal that makes sense. I'm not saying like all of a sudden you're married to those players, no, but, but if, if the choice is between giving up assets or buying guys out or just bringing this team back and seeing what they can do under Tockett, like that's an easy decision to me. Bring it back and see if they can keep this going in October. So you're saying they're pot committed, but you don't need to chase. You don't want to see them double down. No. Yeah. You're in on like, and you have the ammunition that you should need to sell that. You know what I mean? Like they are there as much as there have been different narratives and different messaging out there, which is undeniably true. There's also a, a clear through line you can draw of, we weren't impressed by the Boudreaux bump. This team lacks structure. This team can't break the puck out. We're too reliant on our goalie. We need a different coaching style. We didn't get under Boudreaux, so we brought Tockett. And now look what's happening. And again, I just think once you've done that, lean into it. If, if coaching was going to be that important, maybe you don't need... I'm not even talking long-term, right? Because like obviously long-term, money has to be reallocated. The cap has to be, make more sense. All of that is true. But for next year, do you have to be absolutely desperate to get Brock Besser off your books? Do you have to be desperate to get Tyler Myers off your books? Do you have to buy out OEL? How much desperation do you need to bring to Connor Garland? I think it, if, if this talk it bump, whatever you want to call it, gives you anything, it should buy you the ability to be a little bit more patient with this team. To just say, okay, we saw enough here and it was sustainable this time in our view that we can come back in October and let them have a chance to prove that it's sustainable next year. Yeah, and I'm all for that. Especially, like, one thing that annoys me most about when teams do something really well, okay? So one thing that I think this front office has done really well is find those under-the-radar pieces, right? You look at Neil Zaman. Yep. Now, Dakota Joshua, we can go through the list, but yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of names. And actually, it's the ones they found for free that I like a lot more than the ones they paid for, right? Stillman, Studnika, uh, like I like Bear, but Stillman, Studnika, and who was the guy they and Dermot would mm-hmm. stand out as like the highest cost acquisitions of the group, and and the ones who've had the least impact, the freebies, the true freebies, Bear for a fifth rounder, um, you know Kratzov, right? Throw Kratzov in there, that was free, but Joshua Kuzmenko. Amon, like, that's good stuff. Hey, that's good stuff. In a world where you can do that consistently, you can say, because we can do this consistently, we don't have to worry about all the bad contracts we've signed. But what if you harness that with cap flexibility so Mm. that you had some money to throw at the problem? Now you could play with slightly, you know, a, a slightly sort of bigger set of guys. Like, aren't there some guys on other teams who they view as bad contracts that you might actually really like? who can make an even bigger impact than Neil Zaman, maybe as a third-line center? Come on. Like, harness your strengths. Harness your strengths. Lean into them. Now, I agree with you. They shouldn't double down, and there's a lot of different permutations that takes, right? Like, we talked about Philip Peronik, right? Is yep. a good example for me of a guy. This team has been so poor over the last few years that I would be really hesitant, if I'm the Canucks, of extending Philip Peronik before seeing if I'm a playoff team next year. Right, like I'd be very careful about it. Um, with the buyout thing, I mean, I I agree. I think you have I, th- I think you have to be exceedingly careful about harming your books long term, given the probability 
of making the playoffs next year, like the short-term benefit of what this team's likely moving into. And, and by the way, I don't think it's like so remote as to not be worth talking about. Like, I think you could make some smart moves and be a 50-50 shot to make the playoffs oh, next year. 100%, especially yeah. given, as you said, like, and I just start to kind of, I was starting to kind of game this out and what would it look like? And okay, let's say it's an 83.5 million cap possibility it could be larger but for you know a conservative take we'll we'll, we'll work oh, with that it's a nhl gm meetings you know yes. what that means that, that well are, are we gonna hear nothing i don't know i think Cause I, batman I, batman did the like it's going to go up and then he walked it back i know i think they, so i don't know what we're gonna I think hear. they're getting sick of getting made fun of for their rosy projections and and wouldn't you like yes, I probably at would. some yes. point at some point you gotta not not a problem you have getting made fun of for rosy projections no i think the opposite <laughs> yes um but but also this is like so NHL right where I mean I remember I remember being in Vancouver for the 2019 mm-hmm. NHL entry draft and like walking around the draft floor and everyone laughing about how no one knows what the cap upper limit's going to be be and everyone's still making trades and stuff and we're like who knows it's just like what the <laughs> what the heck it is wild it is wild um but like with an 83.5 cap, you can bring all of the quote unquote problem contracts back, basically. And this is assuming that Tanner Pearson is on LTIR, which I don't hope is the case. But no, you it hope seems like a relatively well, fair assumption at this point. Um, we'll see where it goes. But I don't so, think it's I don't think it's un unreasonable I, to like have one version of your roster building exercise like that. You know I, what I, I mean? agree with you. It's not the one thing that I'd add though is like the toughest. Thing to manage from an LTI perspective is the uncertain return of a guy who could be coming back, right? Yeah. So a guy who could be coming back—that's like not a LTI or cap benefit. That is a massive issue to be managed from from a cap perspective. But in Pearson's case, in particular, you just hope that he's back at some point. Exactly. So I want to have that caveat, of course. There, but of course. I'm not like rooting for that to no, be the always. case. It's we're, just we're, a possibility that's out there. We're all ghouls when it comes to talking cap space. Yeah. If Tanner Pearson was on LTIR and 83.5 million cap, you can bring all of those guys back: OEL, Myers, Besser, Garland. You can, pr- you might even be able to do the two million dollar backup and squeeze everyone in. It's going to be tight. No, no, no. It depends that's, what Hoaglander and there's Bear no space get. For that. But you might so you might have to go a little cheap on the on the you, backup. You are going to have to go cheap. But and you're and you're also going to be filling out your you know your sixth and seventh defenseman on the cheap, which they should be doing anyways. By the way, I think they know that. Like I don't think there's going to be. Oh yeah. I don't think they're going to pursue a, one of those more expensive goalies. I like I I do not expect the Canucks to pursue one of those more expensive goalies. Um, here's my issue. Here's my issue with this run it back take. If I'm going to come into next season bullish on Vancouver's playoff chances, the addition by subtraction process that's begun on the blue line, that's the one part they need to double down on. Like, if this team returns next season with Oliver ekman Larson taking line rushes in a top-four role, right? Maybe with Philip Peronik on his right side mm-hmm. and Tyler Myers on the third pair. I'm probably going to be picking against this team to make the playoffs. Yeah, and that's fair. Like, I, I think it's really hard to understate the scale of that particular inefficiency, uh, inefficiency issue, both from a cost-spending perspective, but also just, like, from a raw hockey perspective at this point. Mm-hmm. Like no. The, the, those deals, unfortunately, just haven't worked. And maybe those guys bounce back because they were certainly a lot better last year than they have been this year. But, but for me, anyway, for this you know, sort of middle way, the third rail 
<laughs> or the third way path that you've scribbled down here, which, by the way, I'm, I'm buying stock in this. I like this conservative, prudent. I mean, it's sorry. It's a conservative reaction to a host of imprudent moves, but I'll take it. But once you're in this spot, <laughs> I to me, it's the best it's, course. It's forward. better than continuing to cut off your nose. And especially I think it's a really good point, especially because they have had success filling out the roster on the cheap. Right, mm -hmm. so go try to find another Neil Zaman. Go try to find another Dakota Joshua. Go down the list of the defense. Well, and they will, and they right, will. and they probably will. So if you have that as something that you can rely on as a strength, in fact, I think they already think they have it in Philip Johansson. Like truly, Philip Johansson's, I think, going to get a long look at training camp. They're going to believe that this guy not not that they're going to plan for him to be in the NHL next year, but they're 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 going to enter this offseason believing that they might. Mm -hmm. have an additional NHL level third uh like right-handed defenseman in hand that the market doesn't realize yet. Like they believe that for sure. So yeah, I mean again, I'm with you, but I do think the addition by subtraction thing needs to continue a pace for this to go off. I, I think we've seen enough under Talkit to know that in fact this defense might be better if it's like smaller named, faster, yeah, and just sort of you know, uh, like reliably hardworking as opposed to what this team has iced for much of the past few yeah, years. Yeah, and if I was to kind of power rank even within the run it back and don't, you know, don't give up future assets to get off of money, if I was to power rank the guys that you should still be somewhat motivated to get off, like Tyler Myers is number one for me. Oh, no, he's only one year. No, no, but it, okay, but OEL is not happening. So no. the, the only way the only way with OEL is a buyout. So that's why he would be lower down than sure. Myers. Okay. Like Myers, if there's any way... I don't want to say give up a draft pick or something, but I because I do think the hockey benefit is really significant. Yeah. In, as opposed to it, just the cap benefit as well. You just have to remember Myers is still going to have – we did a mailbag at The Athletic, and every second submission was like, the Canucks are going to be fine once they dump Tyler Myers' contract to Arizona. And it's like, guys, this is a BC resident, family man, mm -hmm. who's extremely well represented by, by CAA, right? He's got a 10-team no-trade list that extends into next season. You don't think they picked all the teams whose calling card is we use cap flexibility as a benefit. Like you don't think they're smart enough to have done that? I don't know, to be clear, but I'd wager a lot on it. I would wager Arizona shows up on an awful lot of no trade clauses, of modified well, no trade well, clauses. Especially if you have a big contract. Yeah. Especially if you have a big contract, like how do you want to limit your ability to be moved for an asset? Arizona. Not that hard. Now, I will say the big asterisk, asterisk to my run it back take, and maybe we can get into this at some point in the show, is the JT Miller situation. Because I'm talking short term. Like, how do you set, how do you manage your short term risk going into next season and set your team up for next year? JT Miller's a long term conversation, right? So if that is still something you're motivated to do, if all of a sudden there are offers. Still something. You, what an interesting choice of words there. What are <laughs> how you else saying, would you, how Jamie? Else would you describe it. What are you saying? It sure sounded like they were motivated to do it around oh, yeah, the deadline. I don't know how else to describe it, but if that's something that's still on the table or in the cards or in your point of view, then, okay, yes, even within the run-it-back framework, you probably have to consider it. Yeah, let's keep talking we'll, about we'll it because about I think – We'll keep I, talking about what it would look like if they did run it back. Yeah, and I think more than anything, more than anything, this club has obviously moved decisively to, to prioritize the short term, right? And there is risk inherent in that. In particular, one of the things I didn't like about the Hronik deal is that I think the logic of it implies that more – pain is coming so your recommendation like hey maybe you can make the playoffs without courting that pain while i think a, a penny late or a penny short anyway um in terms of what the club has already done i think that i think that's 
I'm on board. Uh, we'll keep getting into it. We'll talk. Good we'll, take by you, bud. <laughs> wow, thanks, Betty. Uh, we'll read your text as well. Uh, plus, hey, Aiden McDonough officially signed. Phil DiGiuseppe signed over the weekend as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. More Canucks talk coming up. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance here live from the Kintec studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. This doesn't always happen, but we were in the middle of a great segment when we when our show returned. That's true, <laughs> yes, which we will get back into. It's, I, I'm actually looking forward to this because yeah. we're going to do uh, our, our 10 minutes of positivity coming up uh, in about 15 <sighs> minutes here. No, you're excited for this one, Drancer. <laughs> you're excited for this one. Uh, but we got some... Uh, uh, we got some uh, stuff to get into before <laughs> that, including some of your texts. Now, I do want to get back into the, the Canucks should run it back conversation. But first mm. of all, this text comes in from Matt in Toronto. He says, gentlemen, we need more alliteration. It's got to be either the talk it uptick or the talk it tilt. That's okay. from Matt in Toronto. The talk it uptick sounds like a B movie about spies. Yes. First of all, yes. right? The talk it sure. uptick. Yep. It's like, it's like, does that feature the character Smiley? Yeah. Uh, but I had a suggestion from a Twitter user, and I wish I had their handle in front of me because it's the perfect name for it. The Ricochet. This is the Ricochet. I like oh. it. How dare you? Never use that drop again. Thank you. Incredible drop. Um, I like it. The Ricochet. There we go. The Very Ricochet. Good. Yeah, that's uh, what we're witnessing. Just before we get back into uh, the the run it back and what could the roster look like in that scenario, that conversation. Would you uh, make it Rick Toshe? Because then it's like basically Rick talking. Mm, no, is that I too think cute? you just stick too with cute by half. Yes, that's yeah. too okay. cute. Too cute by half. Um, the Canucks got a, a bit of business done this morning, officially signing Aiden McDonough out of Northeastern. Now, we talked about that at a fair bit of length yeah. on Friday when it looked like it was trending that direction. His season ends earlier than I'm sure he would have liked on Saturday, and now he is officially a member of the Canucks organization. Uh, only thing that surprised me about it, uh, no, no schedule A or Bs. Nice work by Emily Castongay and the Vancouver Canucks there. Um, my understanding is McDonough will join the team in Arizona on the road. So this week. Yeah. This week. Um, now we'll see when he McDonough. gets in a game. They play in Arizona on Thursday. He's got a bit of a runway here, right? Like they still have 17 games remaining. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a couple skates in with the team. Maybe it's like Sunday against Anaheim, something like that. So the key thing to remember about the shape of, of these sorts of recruiting or recruitment pitches, right? Is McDonough, now that he's signed and his contract will begin immediately, right? Meaning that it's not being told into next year, which, which is an option teams have when signing players at this time of year. You can toll the contract so that it begins the following year and then they can sign an amateur tryout and go to the American League. Mm -hmm. McDonough's not doing that. McDonough's coming to the NHL and once that happens, he can't go to Abbotsford. Okay? He will not be eligible to compete for the Abbotsford Canucks this year. He will, in the process, burn the first year of this entry-level contract. So, it's a two-year entry-level deal based on his age. He will be an expiring contract Next in year. his first full professional yeah. season, which is obviously of huge benefit to the player. Additionally, you now are in a, in a position where he's on the NHL roster for the rest of the season. That doesn't mean he's going to play 
you know, the word to keep in mind here is acclimatize, right? He'll be acclimatizing to the professional game, mm-hmm. right? Traveling with the team, practicing with the team, working with nutritionists, working with strength coaches, right? They'll, they'll build the foundation for him to be a contributor within the organization in a meaningful way next year. But that's what's going on here. Like, it, he might get two games. Well, and that's the thing, because often we see a guy come in when there's like three games left on the schedule or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? The, he does have quite a bit of time here before the end of the season relative to how these signings often work to do exactly what you're talking about. Also, people uh, are going to say things like, how do they fit him on the roster? Who goes down? How do they make space? No 23-man roster limit after the deadline. Oh, there you go. It is lifted. There you go. So, also, I believe they're only at 22 guys right yeah, now, but, but yeah. But it doesn't even matter. No 23, 23-man roster limit lifts at the end of the deadline, but you only have four recalls to use. Um, I don't know exactly when he'll make his debut. I wonder if they'd prefer him to make it at home, but that's not that's not me reporting anything. That's just wondering if that's maybe how this goes down. Um, but yeah, he'll be with the team this week and will be on the NHL roster for the rest of the season. Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah, and I do just want to say, I don't know if we said this directly on Friday, but like, shout out to Aiden McDonough, man. From a seventh round pick to earning an NHL contract, that's really hard Sorry, to do. Sorry, not just a seventh round pick. A seventh round pick in his second year of draft eligibility. That's a good point. Okay. And so McDonough's like absolutely one of my guys. Like this is a guy who I absolutely believe in, mm-hmm. having a real shot to be an NHL player. One of the smartest kids you'll meet. Just, like, extremely bright, extremely hardworking, and a huge human being. Like, this is a very large person. <laughs> okay. He's yeah. a big guy. Yep. Okay, you're going to notice it. The moment he steps on the ice wearing a Canucks jersey, you'll be like, oh, this is a big guy. Yeah, he's a really big player. He does one thing. So I always remember, I've been on a lot of assignments going to watch Canucks prospects over the years, Mm -hmm. like uh, an Oshawa Generals game featuring Nick Jensen, in which I came away being like, Scott Lawton and Boone Jenner are better, you know, like, or, um, or uh, I remember doing it with the Panthers. We went and watched a DU game. Uh, Henrik Borgstrom was playing at, we did like a video feature of Henrik Borgstrom, and I remember watching the game and being like, Troy Terry is better. So anyway, I've been in a lot of those games. One thing that has always struck me in watching the play, the offensive players who just like destroy lower levels but don't necessarily translate to the NHL is they don't really understand how to work away from the puck. And that's something McDonough's not just got. He's like really good at it, like pro level, advanced level at it, day one. This is a guy who knows how to get open and works hard to get open. And I think that's a really underrated skill. Like, I, I just think the, the some of the best players in the league, guys like Kyle Connor, guys like Kirill Kaprizov, Bo Horvat became great at this once he became a far more dangerous goal scorer. The ability to move in space, find soft areas of coverage, McDonough's got that. If you've got that particular skill, it really helps your ability to complement skill players, right? Like skill players love that ab- about a guy. If you've got a knack for that, you've got a shot. There's going to be foot speed issues here in, in McDonough's case, work to be done in that particular area. I, I think he's got enough athletic ability that he can get to like a Brock Besser level skater, which is, I don't, you know, a guy who can absolutely play. Yeah. 
Um, but it's never going to be a, a positive attribute. No, it's something it? you have to manage. You have, a, to, you have to bring other things that that help you be effective despite that. You need to get it within a stone's throw of average so that yeah. you're so that your main attributes the things you do well his shot his release his ability to get open his feel for the game his size can matter mcdonough's a guy with a shot like this is a guy with a real shot i like him a lot as a prospect i know he's old he doesn't have a lot of runway to crack the roster right like we're really talking about a guy who if over the life of his entry-level deal he's not an nhl player the probability of him being an nhl player will, will diminish very fast so so he's got to burn hot here but I think he's got a shot. Character kid, smart guy, works hard, knack for getting open. I like I like this prospect a lot. I think he's going to surprise some people. And just quickly before we move on and, and touch on the Phil DiGiuseppe signing, uh, Aiden McDonough is going to meet with the media at 2, so right when we go off the air. But any relevant clips uh, from that sound bites from Aiden McDonough, you'll be able to hear on Sportsnet 650 yeah. shortly thereafter. And you'll see exactly what I mean once you hear mm. him talk. Like, this is a really bright guy. Um, Phil DiGiuseppe. I mean, this guy should have been on the roster for years. Like, is that this every year at training camp? I'd be making this argument, and then and then the Canucks would be like, "Well, we we got to protect Matthew Highmore." And like, whatever, Matthew Highmore's fine. I have no problem with the player. He had a a really nice run with Lamico and Mott. But Mm -hmm. come on, Phil DiGiuseppe is an NHL player. Yeah, they got him for two years, two way contract. And to me, it's just okay. They're they're obviously prioritizing right now locking really locking high, in affordable depth. It's a really high American League salary. Yeah, and I saw that uh, former Canucks AGM Chris Gear made the point on Twitter that the high AHL salary serves as a little bit of extra waiver protection. Mm-hmm. Potentially, teams aren't going to be necessarily thrilled, especially next year when there's the extra year after. You don't want to take on term and an expensive AHL player necessarily <laughs> into your organization. I'm telling you right now, so long as Rick Tockett is the head coach of this team, Phil DiGiuseppe is more likely to be invited to the Tockett household for Thanksgiving than he is to end up on waivers. (laughs) You can tell when a coach has his guy. And this is like, this gets back to my run it back. You you found Phil DiGiuseppe. You signed him to a cheap deal. Tockett really likes him. The coach, your handpicked coach that you're putting so much stock in likes the guy. All right, let's see what he can do with a full season. I loved his. So he had two blue line saves on that shift that led to Kuzmenko's outrageous goal that Mm. opened the scoring against Ottawa. But really, that shift was a testament to him and Miller playing, you know, predictable, put it behind the net, win a battle. Oh, it goes up high, win a battle, put it behind the net. <laughs> Just like, and I'm not, I'm not using that tone to imply that it's not effective. I'm using that tone to imply that it was like predictable and workmanlike. I love everything about it. Like that's that's the sort of it, hockey this team needs to play. It's like the NFL version of we're gonna run inside zone three times in a row. You know what I mean? It's but, like it's but, not exciting, but, but well, we picked up a first down. It's, it's not exciting, but if you nail your blocking yeah. assignments, it's just if, about the most if effective you, player. If you just hockey. are really, really good at executing it, and you have the linemen who can do it, you're like, oh look, we got another first down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going exactly right. to do about it? No, yeah, we're the Detroit Lions. You can't. You can't. We're going to block you. Anyway, um, yeah. So I thought that shift from Phil DiGiuseppe like encapsulated why he's been such a good fit with JT Miller in particular. Um. He's an NHL player. I would be shocked if he's not an NHL player at the outset of next season. I've been really impressed. And uh, and it's long overdue. Like, this guy should have been on this roster two years running. It, it's wild that it took him this long, frankly. Uh, shout out to Phil DiGiuseppe. Now, all right, into the 650-650 uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. And I was making the argument in the first segment 
uh, that the Canucks should not feel a ton of pressure to go out in the summer, free up a ton of cap space in order to buy and add to this team. And John in New West says, but isn't that what we said last year? Run the team back to see what a full season under Bruce would look like. That's a good point, John. I think that's a very, 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 very fair point. I think there's two major differences. And the first, and I'll let you handle the second one, but I think the first is we have every reason to believe. In fact, we know that management sees the two situations very differently. Yep. Management did not buy in to the Boudreaux bump the way lots of people in the market did. But there's a reason they hired Rick Tockett. They are much more likely to buy into what they're seeing right now and feel that there is a logic behind letting running the team back next season than they were last year. Yeah, and, and what was the problem with them not believing in the Bruce Boudreaux bump? No, no problem. The only issue is that they didn't act in accordance with their understanding that it was a mirage. Like, they were dead on that the Boudreaux bump was a mirage. They just didn't follow that conclusion, uh, or they didn't follow that assessment to its logical conclusion, because they manifestly doubled down on this roster and it blew up in their face right they extended JT Miller they went out and spent in free agency right they didn't address the back they kept Bruce Boudreaux around yeah they didn't exercise their option they they in fact arguably and I I don't know if this was management or or the organization more widely but you know they allowed a tough situation to fester right like it was doomed the moment (laughs) <laughs> the moment that both sides agreed that Boudreaux would return, it was like, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. And so, if anything, like I'm arguing that, as you say, last last season they didn't kind of follow the logic of what the, the conclusions they drew about this team. This year, I think they should. This year, I think they should look yeah, at see, the fact that their low-end pieces, their cheap pieces, are performing under Rick Tockett and lean into that going into next year. I'm on board, but I never underestimate this franchise's boundless thirst for short-term success, right? Like, I, I do think that the logic of the Hronik deal to hold up is going to require this team doing some additional stuff to improve the blue line, carve out cap space, maybe consider buyouts. I, I think it's going to be whew, a, a big whopping bet on a one-year competitive window around Hronik and Pedersen's next contracts. Hey, should we go to 10 minutes of positivity? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's get to 10 <laughs> minutes of positivity. Cue the music. There we go. You want to start us off, Trance? No, I, I like to like let the or you music. Want to, oh, okay. I like to let the music roll over everybody while we talk in slightly reduced tones to our usual program. Uh huh. Just give everyone a little bit of relief from. Everyone can just exhale. Our usual tenor, yeah. Bring the blood pressure down a little bit. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Andre Kuzmenko is fun. Okay. So true. Okay, I was talking to a pro scouting friend of mine. All right. And started building a list. Of the top 10 NHL centermen. And it's not just that Elias Pettersson was among them. The argument was, should he be top five? All right. Like, he was among them with a bullet. So so here's the list. that Here's my list. Feel free to disagree. 650-650, Dunbar, Lumber, text inbox. But here's my list. And... Obviously, this is based in part on, like, if I need to win a game tomorrow and, and in part to an assessment of, like, who I'd want more, right? Like, there's a there's a little bit of a waiting going on. It's it's not one or the other fully. It's it's taking sure. into account both factors. So, number one, no surprise, number 97, Connor McDavid. Best hockey playing Tough to argue with on the planet. I don't, I, he's, like, 30 points ahead of the next closest guy who's his teammate <laughs> in, in terms of scoring. He's having a ridiculous year. He's having a ridiculous year. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Nathan McKinnon, number two. 
I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon, number two. Very fair. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with McDavid's teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, three. Leon Dreisaitl is the best finisher in hockey. Let's be real. Number four, I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. He's the best actual goal scorer in hockey. Yes. I know he only has 30 this season. McDavid's actually the best goal scorer this season. That's also what sets McDavid apart, eh? McDavid might actually be the best goal scorer. Well, you know what I mean? No, like, no, if he wants not. to be? He's not. But but I definitely think he saw Matthews scoring the way he had, winning the heart over McDavid and uh, over himself, and I think he said, I can do that, and he went out and he did it, and that is so cool. Anyway, Matthews four for me. Two-way beast, but he hasn't he hasn't had the same swagger this year. So yeah, that's fair, but like he, what he accomplished last year is enough to – his reputation is not going to take much of a hit from one no. like, quote-unquote down Dude, year. You know what I mean? He's, he's still lost in map. He's a Pavel Bure, Alex Ovechkin profile rate scorer yeah. at this point in his career. I mean, we are talking NHL history level goal scorer when we're talking about Austin Matthews. Right, so that's your top four. Per, not, I would say not controversial. Top four. Shouldn't, be, to, shouldn't no. be controversial. And then actually there's a gap, right? It's like that's a tier. That's where a tier break that's very is inserted. Number five for me is where Pedersen becomes a real consideration. All right. Like, already, Pedersen's a real consideration. However, I'm going to go with Sebastian Ajo. I think I would take Pedersen over Ajo. He's, uh, Ajo is a better defensive player. We are, and, and let's be clear, like, we're getting into really thin margins here with this tier of player where they're all great. Ajo is, for me, the only guy on the planet who, if you told me you have, you can pick one centerman to shut down mm. McDavid in a playoff series, uh, Sebastian Ajo is the only guy I'd consider alongside Patrice Bergeron. All right. And he's super productive, and he's the number one center for the team with the best point percentage in the NHL over the last three years. Like, at some point, that matters to me. So you'd take Ajo fifth. Is that the last guy you'd have over Pedersen? And then I'd take Elias Pedersen. Wow. And then I take Crosby, and then I take Sidney Crosby at the stage of his career. Jarring, to I know, hear. I know. But he, I mean, he's still unbelievable. Here's yeah. Well, here's the thing for me: if we're doing like, and I won't say, let's not say one game, let's say for a playoff run. I think I would still have your top four, right? McDavid, McKinnon, Drysital, Matthews. I think I would still have Crosby and Bergeron over Pedersen. Oh, I, I and then I think I would have Pedersen, but it's really close. I just think. When Pedersen's on the ice at this point, when he's playing this way, you are so much more likely than you are with just about anyone else in the NHL to score the next goal. I mean, it's one thing It's one thing for a player like Andre Kuzmenko with the hands that he's got to come in and have elite production while being tied to Pedersen this season. But, like, Ilya Mikheyev is top 30. Yeah. Top 30 in 5-on-5 five five scoring rate among all NHL players, 350 of them who've played 500 minutes or more at even strength. This Look season. at what's happened to Anthony Beauvillier as soon as he's been next to Elias Pettersson. And I still think Lane Peterson counts. So I'm, I'm, I mean, the way that Pettersson generates offense, the two-way monster that he's become, for me, I legitimately would take him if I needed to win a playoff series today ahead of Sidney Crosby. And then also I'm waiting in part that I'd rather have him for the next five years. Yeah, of course. Bergeron goes next for me. Okay, and then I'm going um, Barkov. Barkov would be a nine. All right. And I, I can't really decide between Zabanajad and Tage Thompson for 10th. Probably Zabanajad at this point, but 
Tage Thompson's on watch as a Tage guy. Thompson's a stud, man. He's really good. Tage Thompson's on watch for a guy who could shoot up this list in a hurry if he repeats this season again. And, and I think the thing is, you know, you said it you said it well. The top four are in their own tier. And there's a big gap. Sorry, let's let's be clear. Top one is in his sure, own tier. Sure, and sure, there's sure. a and there's a huge gap. Yeah. And then there's three other guys, and then there's a pretty big gap. And then for me it's But I think Aho after Patterson that top four, you can company. make a legit case for Pedersen over everyone else. I'm not saying I no. would necessarily agree well, with it. No. But you can make a strong, legit case for anyone else in the league beyond those top four to have Pedersen over at seven. Yeah. And and you know, typically I sort of look at a Barkov Aho Pedersen tier and and kind of consider Crosby and Bergeron as being different mm, because the, the legacy category, the career achievement category. It's it's like um yeah, it's like maybe they were better than um maybe they directed a better movie than um what was that movie with Mark Wahlberg in that Martin Scorsese won the Oscar the for? Departed. The Departed. Yes, that maybe was a, they, a career recognition maybe they award. Direct, yeah. yeah, maybe they directed a better yeah, movie. Yeah, we probably should have given it to you for Goodfellas. Sorry, pal. Here <laughs> our, you go. Our bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe they directed a better movie than The Departed this year, but they're still not Martin Scorsese. So, yeah, I, I sort of, that's how I how I kind of look at it. But anyway. I like it. Doesn't, it. It, it's doesn't, a- it doesn't matter whether or not Pedersen is actually in your top five or not. The fact is, is that he's top 10 with a bullet. And at this point, he's been so impressive this season. He's the trajectory that he's on this campaign is so consistent with what's come before, right? This is so far from a mirage for this player that we're really now talking about a top five NHL centerman, an amazing level to have hit. And the biggest takeaway, obviously from a team building perspective is no doubt about it number one center on a Stanley Cup contending team, right? Like, that is the clear tier that he has hit, that he can check that box for you and then some, and that's massive. Whether you put him fifth, ninth, whatever, anywhere in there, like, that's the tier he's in. That's the group of players. That's the group of company he's in. That was a good one. I liked that 10-minute of positivity You don't have a submission. lot of time now. I know. Mine took most of our 10 mine's minutes. Mine's not as exciting, to be honest, but uh, I'll go anyways. The Abbotsford Canucks in very strong position to host playoff games this season. That'd be great. Very strong position. They got 12 games remaining. They're third in the Pacific Division. Now the AHL's playoff format is a little wonky, but basically what you need what they need to do, they need to finish fifth or better in their division, and that will let them host the first round. It's best out of three. You guaranteed two home playoff games there. Uh, they're neck and neck with the Colorado Eagles for third, but they've got a pretty healthy points percentage lead over the Ontario Reign for fifth. So as long as they can stay ahead of the Ontario Reign, they will host two home playoff games. And the good thing about that is it's not just, hey, we get those two playoff games. Like, you're hosting the first-round series. You have a much better chance at advancing to the next round and potentially getting more home playoff games. Like, we know, you know, Ratu's there, Klimovich, Carlson. Like, there are legit interesting players. Pod Colson is eligible to go down. G. Giuseppe is eligible to go down. Wallanen is eligible to go down. I think it would just be massive for the organization and for Abbotsford. Get some home playoff games. It didn't happen last year. Yeah, and it should have happened last year. So, no. Get it done. Well, and especially because, you know, I think Abbotsford's been successful for the organization from a player development perspective. But from a hockey business perspective, a late run would really help. Yeah. Uh, You know, that organization's done a lot in the community. I think they've done some interesting stuff. But to really put down those roots... You know, a nice run would go a long uh, way, would go a, would long, go way. a long way. And in- interestingly, just before we go to break here, six of their final 12 games uh, are against the Ontario Reign, the team they need to stay ahead of. So uh, they've got a chance to cement that next weekend, I believe. And uh, yeah, let's host some home playoff games in Abbotsford. That would be 
fantastic. All right, coming up next, Gemma Karsten-Smith. She joins us every Monday. We'll take a spin through some of the Canucks' most interesting clips. It is Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Strands here. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota All-Star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net, 650 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Gemma Carson-Smith is going to join us momentarily here. I, I did enjoy this text that came in. As you were letting the music play for 10 minutes of positivity a little bit and get into the groove, uh, somebody texted in, Drance lets the music go to burn 30 seconds of positivity. <laughs> here, run, running the clock out. <laughs> Let's just really let this segment breathe. Cut down on the time I have to go here. Yeah. But you you brought it. You brought the positivity, man. The, Ederson? Uh, fringe top five center like that's that's fantastic it just is what it is just is what it is that's facts only here that is uh, like i don't know what else to say guys uncre- guys incredible we're actually sleeping on just how good he's been i was looking at that uh your you, you one of your favorite guys uh to bring up on the show your colleague dom lucision who does the player cards mm. uh, and he updated them today i believe they update every monday and i always check in to see how the canucks are doing and like Pedersen's just keeps his his Overall metric, which I won't try to explain here, but basically a, 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 an attempt to capture a player's value in one number. Oh. It's just ridiculous where it ranks in the league. He is having a monster, monster season. Well, now imagine if they could fix his shot selection on the power play. What would be going on? Yeah, if you get that facet the, of his the, game going a little the bit. Pedersen point shots need to stop, but other than that, unbelievable this year. Uh, joining us now on the show, as she does every Monday, she covers the Vancouver Canucks for the Canadian Press. She is our pal, Gemma Karsten-Smith. Gemma, thank you as always. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? We are doing absolutely great. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> I was going to say, I speak for myself there. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I can never really comment on Drancer, but I'm doing great as always, Gemma. Uh, always pleased to have you on the show. And we were just singing the praises of Elias Pettersson and the season he is having this year. Uh, and Elias Pettersson, also the source of your first quote for us this week. Yeah. So I thought this week we should go with a theme and hear from some of the guys it. who've uh, played a big part in this uh, season high four game win streak they're on. And obviously Pedersen's right up there. So uh, here we've got him uh, talking about some of the major milestones he hit last week, starting with his 300th NHL point. That's uh, obviously something I'm very happy with. Um, but yeah, I'm going to keep going and reach uh, yeah, minimum points. What about the 30-30 goal and just having a 30-goal season, what that means? Uh, I mean, it's a nice milestone. Um, also, I'm very happy with it, but uh, yeah, I just want to keep going and see where the season goes. What has stood out to you the most, as we've kind of seen, really not just this year, but going back more of in a calendar year now to when he really turned things around last season, what has stood out the most to you about the level we're seeing from Elias Patterson, Gemma? that he's not satisfied. He's not satisfied because the team isn't winning. I mean, like, yeah, they're on a four-game win streak, but he's not satisfied because they're not where he believes they should be and where he believes he 
should be with his skills and his performance. Um, and I think that that's what really stood out to me about that clip is that he says he's not, he wasn't really happy with his 30th goal of the season. And I get like, he wasn't happy with how, how it played out, but like, he's also not happy with how things have gone and he expects more of himself and of his teammates. So um, I, I'm just constantly kind of, um, I don't want I'm just watching him develop into a true elite player has been really fascinating. Um, and I think he's still got steps to go. So it's, it's a, it's a fun roller coaster to be on. We've seen a lot of like Gene, um, Gene Principe interviews with Connor McDavid <laughs> talking about big <laughs> milestones over the course of the past few weeks, uh, where McDavid has, you know, been very clear that they don't mean much to him. Um, I still don't think I've ever heard a player care that little about a major milestone. I know. I know. It's it's fascinating, right? Like, he's got career high points already with 82. He's going to hit a career high in goals. He had 32 last season. He's already got 30 with 16 games to go. But he's just like, he wants more. He wants more. And, like, in a way, can you blame him? He, his skill is... The things he's doing and the way that he has elevated his game are really, really impressive. Like the thing that's impressed me with PD this season is that he um, has, he's playing a better 200 foot game. Um, he's, he's taken a real step on the penalty kill um, and not just in terms of the shorthanded goals, but like, he's he's become a defender as well, you know? And that wasn't part of his game. Remember when he came into the league and for the first, like, three years, everyone asked him how much weight he put on over the offseason because they were like, he's too small to play in the NHL. Like, he, I don't think he gets that anymore because he he still gets pushed off the puck pretty, not not as easily, but he can still get pushed off the puck. But he's, he's become a craftier uh, player. He's become a better defender. And I, he's just, he's an impressive player. Well, and he's never going to be, you know, a prototypical power forward, but I, I've even seen some physical, more physical engagement in his game, right? Where he's not afraid to go in and, and use his body and use the strength he does have a little bit to win those puck battles, Gemma, which when you add it to everything else he does is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I talked to Jay uh, Woodcroft when the Oilers were here recently about what's been most impressive about Connor McDavid's game um, as he's being Connor McDavid and just like embarrassing everyone else. Um, and what he was saying is that he's been impressed by his, the leadership role he's taken. And I think we're starting to see Pedersen do that as well. Yeah. He's got the A on his chest now. I still don't know that he, that being captain is a position he covets. I think that there are just other aspects of the game that are more important to him. But I think that watching him, become a leader as, as he's been given the assistant captaincy and, and just everything the club has been through this year. It's, it's been interesting, right? Like he's, he's really evolved and, and you're right. Like he, he's hitting, he's uh, defending, he's, he's become a real rounded elite player. It's like I said, it's impressive to watch. What do you think it all means from the perspective of Pedersen becoming extension eligible this July 1st. Big money, money. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the Canucks will, will try their absolute best to sign him as quickly as possible. I think the thing is, it's, does Patterson want to stay? Um, I mean, he, he's, it's, 
doesn't have the uh, the total trump card, but he, he's got a little bit of say in this, and he needs to know that there's going to be um, actual meaningful games in March, as we love to say, down the road. Um, he, he needs to know that this team is going somewhere, and uh, I don't blame him. How how does, you know, you mentioned maybe center, or sorry, uh, being captain isn't necessarily something that he looks at as, you know, oh, I have to be the captain. But I also think when you have a player playing as well as he is, who also has that drive and that kind of natural leadership ability, you almost have to make him the captain. How does the captaincy play into the extension talks and what his view might be on it and what, what view the team might have on making him captain? Yeah, I, I think the team would love to make him captain. I I, I... And I've never had a conversation with him about it, so I, I, I'm just making sure. assumptions here, which we all know what that does. But uh, anyway, I, I think just from ev- from what I know of him, he he likes to focus on what his play is on the ice. I think being a leader means something to him, but wearing the C and having to talk to us every day and all of that kind of stuff—that's that's just so superfluous to him. I think, um, and could be. Uh, seen as a distraction he'd rather just lead by playing his game and by um helping to elevate his teammates and and that kind of thing where does it play into the extension i think that the canucks will offer it to him and say like if if you want to be captain we would love that please please take it please take all our money and this this nice shiny c um it's just a question whether or not he wants it right uh and i i don't know the answer to that uh, next up uh, on our, as you said, picking a theme, guys who have performed well under Rick Tockett. One of them certainly is JT Miller. What are we going to hear from JT Miller, Gemma? Yeah, so he's been a big contributor in recent games, um, as has the Canucks penalty kill. And honestly, I'm as confused by that development as most people, um, because Vancouver still has the worst PK in the league. But somehow they figured out a way in the last few weeks to not only kill penalties, but score shorthanded too. Uh, let's listen to JT Miller's thoughts on what have cha- what has changed. The players are just coming to us. They're making mistakes, and we're capitalizing on them. Um, we're definitely not thinking about scoring when we go out there, but there's a chance to get a two-on-one. With PD, I'm certainly going to try, but I'm not going to be searching for that. What do you take from the idea of the balance <laughs> between not getting too hungry for goals in a defensive situation? Yeah, it's interesting. You said that they're they're not trying more offensively on the PK, but I guess they're just seeing those, those gaps better than they were before or creating the gaps better. Um, I, across this, this four game win streak, the Canucks have given up um, one power play goal and they've scored four shorties. So <laughs> they, yeah, they've still got the worst PK in the league, but it looks a lot better. It's a lot more entertaining to watch. Um, so, and, and Miller has, three shorthand goals in his last four games. He's tied for second in the league in shorthanded points with seven, and Patterson leads the category with eight. Like, that's that, those are impressive numbers. And um, nine of the Canucks' 11 shorthanded goals have come under Tockett. So you can't say that the penalty kill hasn't improved. Um, not only are they killing the penalties, they're creating chances. Whether they're focused on offense or not, they're finding ways to capitalize on the other team's mistakes, and that's huge. Um, so much of this game is about waiting for your opponent to mess up and they're they're instead of the Canucks being the team that messes up all the time it's now the Canucks capitalizing when the other side messes up so that's that's big if you can be plus three shorthanded every four games that's uh, that's pretty good to come out in the black when you're shorthanded that's not bad um 
what do, what do you think has changed for JT Miller? Because obviously, you know, we know we can look at the, the coaching change. He sat a couple games around the trade deadline, then he's back in the lineup. I think since that point, he's been even noticeably better than he was at first under Rick Tockett. Why are we seeing JT Miller's best right now in your view, Gemma? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think Tockett has obviously given JT a bump. Um, I think that's undeniable. But I, I think it's just he's getting on a roll, right? He's he's gone comfortable. He's excuse me. He's happy with where he's playing and he's he's just replicating it night after night. Um, yeah, he says that these are these are lucky plays, but he's the way that he's helping to create them is something that we haven't seen from him in quite a while. Um the way that we're seeing him play that full, well, like I said with Patterson, that full 200-foot, well-rounded game. Like, how many times have we talked about Miller's lack of a back check this season? That hasn't been the case in the last six weeks or so. He's he's been dedicated and hounding the puck, and it's it's a different JT Miller than we saw earlier this year. Gemma. I, t- I had a conversation with Miller in a similar tones after the game on Saturday. And, it, you know, he implied it there, but he said it to me more expressly. Like, they can't believe the mistakes that they're capitalizing on at, at the moment. Like, they can't believe some of these chances that they're getting. Uh, do you see the Canucks penalty kill as meaningfully improved? Or is this just a, you know, burst of errors going in their favor at the moment? Like, yes, the other team is definitely, the opponents are definitely screwing up. But <laughs> I, I caught myself. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, the Canucks are also creating those errors, right? Like, they didn't create Alex DeBrincat falling down on the two-on-one. But there's the fact that Miller and Oman came in with speed and um, – and, and created that two-on-one opportunity. Like, I don't know that we see that back in January. Um, so it, it's, it's both. Uh, yes, the other team is making mistakes, but the Canucks are also forcing mistakes as well. Uh, I, I think that the penalty kill has improved. Um, and like I said, it's still the worst in the league. They've still got a long way to go, but they're not historically bad, so yay. Yes, yes. Hey, there was nowhere to go but up, and uh, they are going up for the moment. So there you go. Uh, we're, talk- we're talking to Gemma Carson-Smith here on Canucks Talk, our Monday, Monday regular uh, here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, obviously, huge for the team to have Thatcher Demko back in the crease as well after he missed so much time. And uh, Demko up next uh, for, for us, Gemma. Yeah, and he's not just back. He's back to being Demko, right? He He was not doing great at the beginning of the season but he will tell you that um but right now Demko's making massive saves keeping this team in games when they start to look lost like the beginning of Saturday's game against Ottawa um and after that game he was saying that the entire team is bought in right now that they recently had a meeting where he and uh, some other players talked about how they can't let the season go to waste let's hear more about what he had to say we wanted to make sure that we were building in the right direction and making these games count in, in some way and um you know, I think our game is building right now. I think, you know, the better that we can do uh, to finish this year, the, the habits that we can create, the culture that we can kind of set a precedent for is, is all going to carry over to next year. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, that we have the pieces in here. So 
I understand what Demko is saying, but it's so tough to know if it will carry over, Gemma, when we know these games don't really mean anything, and we've seen how the team often performs or how it's performed in recent seasons in October and November uh, when the games do mean something. So I, how, how, do, how are you kind of balancing, on the one hand, they're playing a lot better, but we don't know what it's going to look like next year either. Well, we don't know what the roster is going to look like yeah. next year, right? So there's there's a lot of question marks hanging over um, September, October, whatever, just next season in general. But I like that Demko's confidence is back because <laughs> he was starting to uh, look a little lost there um, back in November when he was getting zero help from the blue line and uh, and wasn't wasn't at his best. He, he, he looks good again. Right. Um, and I think that that's huge for him and huge for the team, no matter who else is around um, come September, October. Uh, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I, I hope he's right that they're building a foundation. I, I, I'll believe it when I see it, but um, yeah, I, I hope he's right. There's a theory that if Demko had been healthy all year, the season looks a lot different. And certainly the Canucks have, you know, had had their struggles in net with team save percentage. But considering that Demko wasn't at his best and considering what the environment that Canucks goaltenders played behind him, I'm not really sure I buy that. Um, yeah. With Demko in particular, though, do you think a reset, the reset that he had while recovering from injury might have served him well? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was huge. I think also he alluded to this in, in that same scrum that um, uh, he wants to be here, right? And I think that he all of those rumors about him getting traded and wanting out while he was sidelined, I think that kind of lit a little fire under him as well. Um, uh, I think he, he's trying to show that these are my teammates. I'm committed to them. I'm committed to this team. I want to be here. I think you're right that the season is not um, an entirely different product with De- with a healthy Demko all year, partially because I don't think you can play Demko every single game and keep him healthy all year. That's just not possible. So I don't think that uh, those arguments hold a whole ton of water, but um, I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, where he's at right now and where he goes in the future. Gemma, one thing that was notable about Demko throughout his career, right? Like when he was a young goaltender, he was so amped after games that if you asked him about a play or or something like that, he'd just be like, I have to watch the video. I have to watch the video. Um, And then earlier this season, he wasn't always speaking after losses. I don't know if it was combative, but he certainly wasn't available with the regularity that he has been of late. And not just that he's been speaking after every game, no matter what, but his tone seems different. He's actually doing an interview, having a conversation. It feels like he's in a different space. Do you notice this or is this me reading too much into nothing? I, I agree. I think he seems a lot more affable than he was at other points of the season. Um, a lot more willing to chat with us media vultures who all descend upon that locker room after every game. Um, he's, he just seems happier. Um, and I, I would assume that part of that is the fact that uh, the team's doing a little bit better, but I think uh, part of it too is that he's just in a better headspace. I think that injury was so hard for him 
um, whatever he went through during the off season in terms of that procedure, I don't think that was an easy thing to go through. Um, so I, he just seems like he's in a better headspace, I think. And and the last one, we could basically have transplanted, like you could have easily taken a quote from the stretch last year and just run it. And it would have sounded exactly like that in terms of content, right? Yeah. You're clearly making a larger point about Demko's sort of way of carrying himself at the moment. But, um, I mean, how many how many times do we have to hear the same quotes about not wasting the back end of the season <laughs> and building culture while the team actively harms their lottery odds? Like, at some point, can we get something different here? I mean, death taxes and the Canucks winning meaningless games in March. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what we're here for in Vancouver. Absolutely. Uh, um, it's not what I'm here for. <laughs> well, you are, whether you like it or not. That's exactly what you're here for, Drancer. Uh, and we'll wrap up with the quote from uh, Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, Gemma. Yeah, right. Last but not least, let's uh, hear from Tockett. He's uh, speaking here after Saturday's game about why his team has been able to limit their opponent's offensive chances in recent outings. You look up and there's 12 shots. I don't know how much left in the second. It means, excuse me, everybody's gapping up and the defense are, are uh, trusting the fours that they're backing the defensemen up. It's it's just you know it's a lot of different uh, trust factors. Um, you can't play this game if you don't trust your teammates, and uh, that's something we've really worked on the last six weeks is trust. Trust. That's uh that's a new one for uh, for talking, Gemma. Yeah. Was it the missing ingredient all along? Is that is that what was missing under Bruce Boudreaux? I mean, you got to trust I, your coworkers. I, I I hear what he's saying. I mean, they're a bunch of shady, shady people, so I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> Shady was the word there. I just want to make it clear. Shady <laughs> was the word, yes. Sorry. Um, yes, it was. Yeah, but we're, it's interesting to see that we're not giving – we're not seeing the Canucks give up five goals a game anymore because um, that, that really became a serious theme there for a while. And uh, personally, I like that the – the scores are a little uh, lower because that can be tough word count wise to uh, fit all those goals into a single story. But I just thought that Taka's perspective here was interesting. I like, it can't all come down to trust. Can it? Can it? It, It's, it's true that you're seeing uh, the team. What do you say? Gap up better. Um, Not entirely sure what that means, but the way that I see it is that you're seeing their defensive coverage, um, spread a little bit more evenly. Um, we're not seeing four guys stack in the slot like we did on several, several, several goals. Um, so uh, it, it seems like they're, like they're buying into whatever talk it's selling and uh, it's paying off. The, they, there's definitely a belief that something is different around that locker room, no matter who you talk to um so it's the friends we made along the way the trust that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the point in the season we've come to how do you how do we square how do we square the conversations that were going on in this market look at this team once they got a real nhl head coach mm-hmm. with the gap in in the club's play post boudreaux with what we saw before like how do we how do we square that yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. Like, I, I don't have the answers. We keep asking the questions, but I, I, I don't know. I think 
the structure word has been used so much that it doesn't really have any meaning, meaning anymore. at all. No. Like, right? Exactly. It has no meaning at all. I think you're seeing the club play better defense. That's what I'm seeing. It's not perfect. Um, it's not perfect for a lot of reasons. A big reason is that they don't have the personnel that they need. I mean, how many of the blue liners are HL guys at this point? It's, and I'm not saying that they're not good hockey players. I'm just saying that you put them against Boston and things are going to get messy. So it's, I think there's still so far for this group to go um, in terms of changing the roster, in terms of uh, learning to play as an elite cup contender, but it's, it's nice to see them play defense. <laughs> That's all. That's all I'm saying. It's nice to see them play defense. I think we could all agree on that. Gemma, Gemma, great stuff. As always, we will chat with you next week. Have a great week, guys. That is Gemma Carson-Smith covering the Canucks for the Canadian press and joining us every Monday here on the program. And yes, it's nice to see them play some defense. Yeah, I agree. The thing about the Canucks defense, how many of them like the question or the formulation? And it's being said a lot, right? Like I hear a lot like they're doing it with four AHL guys. And it's like, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, it cuts both ways, right? Like It says something about the guys they're replacing as well. That says a lot more about the guys they're replacing. Yeah, that's part of the story. There's and, no doubt about that. And also that Willan and, and Burroughs aren't quote-unquote AHL guys. Like, Burroughs for sure isn't, and Willannon is a quad-A guy who's clearly shown that he's got the chops to be an everyday depth guy. Come on. One final break here. Last segment of the show come up, coming up. We will hear from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after the team practiced earlier today. It is Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Oh boy, welcome back. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650, live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Producer Dom just threw a grenade in our ears right as we were coming back from break. Referred to us as being in our mid 40s. Just Drance specifically. I think I've deeply. No, you, first him. of all, you said both of us. And then you were like, wait, Drance is mid 40s, isn't he? So I got cut out from the second one, which was nice. You did. But I, I, I caught the first one. Don't worry. Boy, oh boy. Tough times out here. I'm sorry. Tough times out here. Ad hominem. <laughs> Ad hominem. Ad dominum, yeah. indeed. Uh, all of this uh, stems. By you know, the way. when when you dress like a seven year old boy, everyone looks. Wait, you're years. always telling you you're always pumping his tires for his sports gear. I wear exclusively Lululemon dress. <laughs> all right, hold on. Let's do. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's get to talking in a sec. All right, read the text. Fine, fine, read fine, the text. Fine. All right. So you said they're doing it with AHL guys, and that that part well, of the conversation. Sorry, right. Je- Gemma did. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Tyler texts in, are they doing it with AHL guys, though, uh, when Hughes is playing 30 minutes a night? I think that's a very fair point well, by Tyler. It, it, although Hughes is not playing 30 it's minutes. It's not literally night. 30 minutes, but he's there's a little bit of hyperbole happening. In but Tyler's only a text. little bit. Only a little bit, right? Hughes has been over 25 minutes a night every game dating back to February 18th. <laughs> 
That's a long time, man. Um, he's hit 30 twice in that span. He's hit 28 or more, more than half the time. Um, 25 minutes is a lot for an NHL defenseman to play. Consider this. If you play 25 minutes a night over 82 games, you're going to th- hit 2,000 minutes in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want Quinn Hughes to play 2,000 minutes in a season. JT Miller's playing 20-plus minutes a night every game. Elias Pettersson's playing 20 minutes per night every game. Thatcher Demko is playing a lot. Two, five of the last six. Do you remember the first few months of the John Tortorella era? Mm-hmm. When the Sidian's ice time spiked and they were killing penalties and um, Ryan Kessler Ryan was Kessler. playing first line yeah. right wing, right? Like the the roster had been rethought. And what happened? Team got off to a good start. And then what happened? Yeah, they ran out of gas. So a late season bump leaning heavily on your star players is well and good. But one thing that does not look sustainable about how the Canucks are playing at the moment is their over-reliance on their best players. If they come into the season and deploy these guys at this way next year, it will not end well. You cannot play your best players like this for seven months and then hopefully three more beyond that. Like, no way, no chance. League's too hard now. Game's too fast, too demanding, too physical, too dense. This is this is the one part of Vancouver's winning down the stretch that I am looking at and saying, hey, that's not going to work. Well, and it's something that's entirely within their control, right? That has oh, to change. Don't, don't get me started. Don't it has to started. change for next season. I don't think there's any doubt no, but, about uh, but, that. I mean, don't get me started on the entirely within their control and false hope thing. I just, like, I can't I can't do it. Well, it is. It is within their control oh, to I play know, them know, less. But you know what I mean. But, but, you know, so long as you avoid injury over the balance of the season, whatever. You know, this this organization's going to try and, and win like these are the playoffs. They're, you know, that's how this organization is wired. It makes no sense. It, it's nonsense. But it's how they're wired. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I can't get mad about it every year. Next year, though, they are going to have to spread the minutes around if they're going to be at their best down the stretch. Uh, period. Like, period. It's just too demanding for players to play that much in the contemporary game. Uh, let's hear from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett spoke at length to the media after the team practice at Rogers Arena today. Here he is, Rick Tockett. Well, I, I, I try to explain to Kuzi we're playing a playoff game, game seven. You know, that's the way you got to look at it. I'm not looking at him to dive and block shots. You know, game seven, you guys usually do that. But, you know, I'm not looking for him to dive head face, block shots and stuff. But there are some parts of his game he has to be responsible. Um, yeah, the offensive part – I mean, he's a magician with a puck, but, uh, you know, he's definitely got to come back in, in certain areas, and we have to count on being in these areas. Um, we can't rely on Demko making those saves in the slot all the time for him. But and it's not just him. It's the whole team. But I, I think his defensive game has got better, way better the last uh, weeks and weeks. So it, it's, a, it's a work in progress. But the one thing with Kuzi, I like coach him, is he, he knows it. He, want, he, buy, he's buy, he buys in. He's, he knows it. He's not, fighting the, he's not fighting it, which I like. How much better has he gotten in the last month with, with you being here, and, and, and what do you like about his game? The most well, I, I like I think his defensive game is getting better. It's just creativity. Um, you know, his uh, I didn't know his shot was that good, his release, and then even that goal Millsy gave him. That was most guys probably would have shot that, and uh, the goalie came out, and then he you know that's high level stuff. You know, the the patience to score that goal. 
You don't uh, usually associate recall guys with the culture carriers, but DJ Seppi getting the two-year extension. Yeah. I mean, he's probably been everything you could have hoped for, and a guy who's been around, played for Brindamore, gets it, and has been able to bring you something above just a recall guy. Yeah, I think we were really searching for a north-south guy. Mm-hmm. Just guy just gets on the four check and wants to play north. And when we, you know, when he came up, I was like, hey, you know, I didn't really care about his age. This this guy was doing it, so kind of gravitated towards him a little bit, where he could supply that buy-in north-south style, and that's why he's, you know, he's on our team right now. You probably played with guys like that, right? The meat and potato guys who just totally get it, totally understand. Well, I, I mean, you look at the two best players in the world, Mary Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. If you ask them who they want to play with, they play. They want to play with north-south guys. They don't want to play with east-west guys. It's too hard to play f- when you're talented. That's like Petey, Millsy. If you can add north-south players, obviously, hopefully they, they can score and they got good hands. But if you can penetrate that box, it just gives them more time. And uh, it's an easy game when you just guys guys play the outside all the time. You told us last week that, that you wanted to see a few more practices from Ethan Barry skated today. I know he took pregame skate on Saturday. When do you envision him? He's day to day. You know, I'm, I'm not. I don't know about the next game of the game with that, but he's close. Like, let's see him get a more, little, few more banging drills out there, but uh, he's very close. Big news, Aiden McDonough signing out of the NCAA. Uh, sounds like he may genuinely join you. What are your plans for him? Yeah, we're going to try to get him in a game. Um, a couple of buddies, like Kevin Stevens is a good buddy of mine. He, a couple of scouts here in Vancouver told me too. Also, great shot, really great score. You know, uh, just because we're work on his skating a little bit, but apparently he's a high-level shot. So uh, anxious to see what he can do. Rick, do you, for a kid like that, obviously you're bringing him in, you want to see him play. Do you want, do you, would you put him in a position where you put him in a position to succeed in, in a top six just so you can yeah. see where he fits? Yeah, it's a tough one because I, I like the way the team's playing. So, you know, I'm not going to, it's not like he's coming in and we're going to put him in right now. I mean, I got to. You know, I have a responsibility. We, we're playing good hockey right now. A lot of guys deserve to stay in the lineup. You know, you look, see if some play, guys' plays uh, dip a little bit. Um, you just don't take a guy out because he has one bad game. But if you see consistency from a couple guys, then, you know, maybe you pop him in there, which is okay. Um, but I, we haven't made that decision yet. Canucks had Adam Gaudet, who also came out of Northeastern and got five games after his senior year and won the Hobie Baker. Yeah. He thought that really gave him a leg up. The next training camp. I'd imagine you look at something like that from McDonough just to get a feel, a taste. This is what we do. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the practice pace, the uh, the way they train, you know, the way you travel on the road. It's really even the minor league guys when they come up. Uh, you know, I, I was always from the uh, back of the Flyer days. We'd always call a couple guys from Hershey up. They, they that was our philosophy, and then they go down, and it was almost like, okay, this is what I need to make it. I think it's good to give the guys taste. Um, you know, not at the expense of, of, of losing, but expense of, expense of uh, experience of coming up here and knowing what it takes. And then they can go home and translate in training, for sure. Does this schedule work well with how you want to work Demko? You say you don't want to play in five or six in a row, but you've got Tuesday, Thursday, and you've got back-to-backs. You can probably play D-Lean ones. Does the schedule play out well for going, you know, if you can keep going? Yeah. The, he's not going to get overworked. I mean, the week before this two-week stretch, the, you know, that was a tough schedule. We had Dallas. Like, that was really hard on us, but this two weeks has been refreshing. We could work on stuff, and plus, you're right, Demmer, in this schedule, could play five or six or seven, you know, in this type of schedule. Right. He could, but yeah, he's not going not to play him back-to-back, no way. You got a chance to see Trickley Abbotsford yesterday. Um, some of the young players on that, Linus Carlson having a heck of a season down there. Uh, what did you, you know, take away from that game last night? 
Yeah, it was fun to go down. The great building and uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, I thought Hoglander had a good game. Like, a, he's an interesting guy. You know, a four-check guy. He was on the puck all night. You know, uh, Carlson, you're right. He, I, I liked his game. Um, oh, I can't remember. Is it Klimovich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. don't – First round pick, right? Uh, I actually kind of didn't mind him. Uh, like I don't know much. Like I said, I'm coming in blind, but I didn't mind him last night, just seeing what he does. But yeah, it was. It, I, I thought you know both teams. Were, it was a really hard working game. It was. A, they lost in overtime, but it was really fun to watch. Probably should do that more often when I get the time. It's only about an hour drive, so it was, Dan, Daniel took us down. Me and Footy. It was really. Uh, it was great to talk to the coaches down there. Um, it was fun actually. Had a good time. With uh, Vasily, he started to obviously build some confidence in this game after spending some time in the American League. Um, in terms of the off-ice factor, for example, last year he was coming over from Russia, learning English, and he didn't have any other Russian players to lean on, as opposed to this season. He had Mikheyev, obviously, before his injury, you know, Kuzmenko, now Kravtsov. How much do you think it can help a player like that just in navigating season life in general to have other sort of Russians yeah. to lean on? Apati? Yeah. Apati, yeah. Uh, He's actually he's been a mentor to Kratsov. Like he's they, they're Mutt and Jeff. They go everywhere, and I think that's really going to help Kratsov. I think uh, I didn't know Potsy. I mean, I knew first round pick and kind of a bully type, bullish type of guy. But his work ethic is next on. Um, I think he's going to spend a lot of the summer here, um, and that's just for me. That's what as a coach when you have guys like that. Who gravitate where Kratsov will be? Him, Kuzi, I think, is hanging around with him. Um, and then we got the key is Sergey Gonchar is here, and he's got. Uh, if we have three or four Russians, he's going to be a key for those guys to develop, for sure. But Podsy's a, you know, he works with the Twins every day. About some of those guys in Abbotsford, how valuable will the experience be for them down the stretch here and potentially getting into the playoffs as well? The guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. You know that's how you, you know you you want your your players to play in meaningful games. You know this, so whoever goes down there, these playoffs, there's going to be big games down there. Just like here, like we're trying to. I know it's you know they're not nothing games. We're trying to get guys in playoff style of games. Um, and down at Oxford for for sure, a couple of those guys are going to go play down there uh, in pressure situations. You know maybe. You know, maybe there's a double overtime game, you know, and, and see how they can play under pressure. That's really what we live for, right? You mentioned um, that uh, Pod Calls has spent a lot of time talking to the Sedins. Uh, yeah. He referenced that as well. What do you think that can do for sort of his, uh, his development? I think it's huge. Uh, but the, what I, I, one of the characteristics I always look for a player is a self-starter. He, he seeks them out. Like, it's not like Daniel and Hank always say, hey, come on, Podsy, come, come. He goes to them. He's uh, he, that that's big in, in the characteristics of what we're trying to do with, with the Canuck players is like be a self-starter, like seek out help. Don't always we have to go get you. And he does that a lot, which is the high, high character for me. What have the twins told you about the job that Jeremy's doing in Abbotsford? I mean, he had his chance in Chicago, but he's kind of like a player. He's getting another goal and yeah. he's doing great work. Yeah, great practice down there. You know, he's implemented some, some stuff. We, we haven't really talked – too much about systems. I like the guests on the same page. That that will happen, you know. Uh, but you know, watching them play, I really enjoyed some of the stuff that, and I, I could learn from Jeremy too. Like you know, he's a, he had some good offensive teams in Chicago, so there's there's probably some stuff I could learn from him. Chris, to go full circle on Kuzi, he seems to just love being on the ice. You played all, alongside guys, I'm sure, who are like that. What what is that? Is it infectious? Is it just a love of the game? I mean, it's more than just yeah. goals. It seems to him. 
I, I, it's hard to explain because he has that smile on his face. Even when you give him crap, he smiles. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love the guy for it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't mope around. Uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't pout. Like, like I'm one of those guys. Even when I, I, I hate guys that pout and guys don't talk to you and, and they get upset. He he did, he's like, hey, coach the next day. Like I love the guy for for that. Um, and it's infectious of the team. You know, like he was stretching the guys out there and they're you know giving it to him a little bit, but he smiles and. Um, you got to have those characters in the room. I mean, more characters like that in your room, the better for me. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. Uh, Wide-ranging availability there. Update on Ethan Bear, who's been out with injuries day-to-day, very close. Uh, sounds like it talked a little <laughs> bit of uh, his guy, Philip DiGiuseppe. What? <laughs> Rick Tockett has the Christmas spirit. You better not pout. You better not cry. Uh-huh. Better not shout. He's legit got the Santa Claus rules. <laughs> They're good rules. They are. You better not whine. You better not shout. You mm-hmm. better not cry. You better not come on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you better be a wall guy. Oh, yeah. You better absolutely. be a wall guy. North South. You know who goes North South faster than Santa Claus? Yes. That's. Such a great point. Yeah. Record time. Record time every year. Uh, talked a little uh, McDonough, but the, the I did think it was interesting. So he t- talked about uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, right? North-South guy, his guy. He's gravitated towards him, which is a bit of an understatement, I think, from Rick Tockett. I've adopted him into my family. Exactly, yeah. Get it on the forecheck. Um, I-, I thought it was interesting to hear a little bit of uh, Niels Hoaglander praise from Rick Tockett as well, given where Hoaglander has kind of ended up in the organization, in the hierarchy of the organization. Rick Tockett comes in with fresh eyes, takes in an Abbotsford game, and says, hey, this guy's all over the puck, and specifically highlighting Forecheck, that he was a Forecheck guy, which you just mentioned is one of the reasons he loves Phil DiGiuseppe not uh, a few minutes before that. If you like people who win battles, you will like this fire hydrant who does nothing but. Like, this can't be a surprise to anybody. I wouldn't think so. Niels Hoaglander remains, despite Vancouver adding more wings than I do on Super Bowl Sunday, one of the nine best forwards on this team. It's wild. His usage this season has been wild. If if you had to bet, and I know you would never bet on hockey trends, if no. you had to bet, is he in the organization going into next season, to start next season? Um, <laughs> Because I'd like to bet on everything, although I never bet on hockey. Yes. What are my odds? <laughs> 50-50. Oh, 50-50, I yeah. would bet that he's back okay. because that's where the smart money would be. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do it with reluctance. But, yeah, plus 100, Nils Hoaglander to be yeah. back in the organization, team to not give up on talented 21-year-old. Oh, yeah, hammer that. I certainly day. hope so. And that's why it kind of perked my ear with Tockett singling him out and saying and, – and not just singling him out and kind of vague, oh, he was good, but specifically like all over the puck, well, forechecking, doing Rick Tockett type and, things. And reasons In the Abbott's review. Not, not like I liked him or like, yeah, no, uh, good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Or like I know – I know like specific, a, tangible things that we know Tockett values that he was seeing from Like as opposed to the Carlson, like, yeah, no, I liked him. You know, he scored the goal. He scored the big goal. Carlson did, right? But he didn't talk about the shot or the goal. Klimovich, he offered, like, some inaccurate biographical information. Oh, he was a first-round pick, right? No, but that's okay. That's a completely different thing than he was around the puck all night. There was something that caught my eye. No coach who cares about 
the things Rick Tockett cares about is ever going to fail to be impressed by Niels Hoaglander. Travis Green's got a similar value system to Rick Tockett in terms of what he wants from his players. Played the wheels off Niels Hoaglander. He thought there were defensive gaps, too. Like, that's not a Bruce Boudreaux-specific thing. Oh, no, for sure. He thought he had defensive issues, too, but he played the wheels off him. Well, he gave him a top-six shot coming over as a second-round pick. In right his away. First North American season. As a 19-year-old. Out, out of training camp. You're in the top six. Now, that had something to do with the rest the of the other roster options. as well. Yep. That had a lot to do with it. Vertanen, Erickson. Let me try this. Mis- let me open I'll the try mi- Hoaglander. I'll try the mystery box. Thank you. Yeah, hey, and it worked pretty well. It did. Um... But anyways, there you go. So uh, that that was the kind of one that uh, stood out to me. And I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Will we see Hoaglander at the NHL level? It sounds like with the waiver eligibility system, it's going to be tricky to get him up. I don't know if he gets up for like a game. They also the signed the another schedule. winger today. They did sign another winger today <laughs> who is going to need to play a game at some and point. And yesterday, another day, another winger signed. Can never have too many. <laughs> it's become a meme at this point. I, and I want to be very clear. Those are tongue-in-cheek comments when it comes to Aiden McDonough and Phil Giuseppe. Before anyone gets on their high horse, nobody is actually criticizing those signings because they're wingers. No, no. You know what I mean? Funny. I want to be very, very Sorry, clear about it's that. It's just funny. Sometimes you know, people sometimes are like, oh, why are you complaining that they signed McDonough because he's a winger? No, no, no. It's just We're just making some jokes. We're just having some fun. Yeah. We're having a laugh here, everybody. All right? I don't know. I'm making up a guy to get mad at right now. Somebody, <laughs> you are. <laughs> you know, Steph Curry is just not a very good three-point shooter. <laughs> I did see a lot of like, oh, you didn't think Kuzmenko was popular? Look how many people showed up to his siding. It's like, who said he wasn't popular? Everyone loves him. He's yeah. great. Rick Tockett is like, wow, even when I'm criticizing his defense, this guy is awesome. This guy's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, and, and the move that he made, like, I don't even know that I've seen it before. The move that he made to score the opener, I've never seen it before. He's fun. He's fun and he's good. Yep. And that contract is fine and fair. There you go. And I still think they should have traded him before the deadline. A couple of other updates <laughs> from, uh, or a couple of other nuggets from Rick Tockett asked about Aiden McDonough. Obviously, doesn't have a lot of firsthand knowledge of the player, but I did think it was interesting. You know, clearly no rush to get McDonough in the lineup, right? And Tockett saying, uh, you know, we like the way the guys are playing, don't want to take a guy out, even if they just have one bad game. So it's going to be a process, and there's going to have to be an opportunity that arises for McDonough to get that first NHL game. But that's fine. He's got, a, as we talked about in the first segment, or the second segment, he's got like a month here before the season wraps well, up to, to have that time. And a month earning an NHL salary, which is, first of all, sweet. Secondly, traveling with the team, charter life, hotels, like it's cool, right? You get to practice, you're, you're going to get to put in time with the sitting twins yep. and skills coaches and... NHL coaches and NHL players, right? You're going to get this opportunity to, like, watch other guys work the net front, you know, and, and figure out, like, oh, is that, you know, can I be Alex Chason? Because he always seems to be mm. sticking around the league. You see Alex Chason's on his scoring heater for the Detroit Red Wings? So good. I love it's it. fantastic. It makes me so happy. What a guy. Um, so, you know, I think there's a ton of advantages. Now, one thing, current uh, Canucks organizational player, Brady Keeper, signed when I was with the Florida Panthers in – whatever out of college and roughly the same time of year march and he didn't get into a game until the club had been statistically eliminated like until the little z appears behind beside the canucks name on the yeah um so that is also a possible route i know it sounds ridiculous but for nhl players because again nhl players view things in a very specific way right like you don't become if you make it to the NHL, you are the top 
0.1% of 0.1% of 0.1% of 0.1% of elite hockey players. And then to be a star player, you know, you're the 0.1% of that. Or at least the top 2% of that. These people, their whole mindset and life is like, I can overcome the odds. Right? NHL players truly do believe, like the Canucks truly do believe. They know. They know the score. Don't get me wrong. But like... A Canucks player is not going to say, we are missing the playoffs again. They're going to say, it's going to be hard for us to make the playoffs again unless we go on a real tear here. Like, that's just how they think and approach life. And so until that little Z appears, sometimes there's some reluctance from an organization, particularly one that values winning these games so much. Views them as game sevens! to insert a, a rookie in the lineup. That does it for us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for texting. We're back tomorrow. You've got it on Sportsnet 650.